Hey, welcome aboard today. This is Wesley Smith with Tree Service Marketing Profits Podcast. Thanks so much for joining for another episode of Interview with an Expert, Tree Service Company owner here, Colin Mildy. And he's with us today and he's going to tell his story, his journey on how he got started in the tree service business. But if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and like and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We put out all kinds of interviews and helpful tips and tricks on marketing and advertising for tree service companies and interviews with more experts coming up as well. If you're on the podcast uh, audio only, just go ahead and subscribe to your favorite podcast player and we'll be putting out more episodes as well. So um, yeah, welcome today. We got a, a new interview today um, with a business owner, tree service business owner up in New Jersey, Colin Mildy. And welcome, uh, welcome aboard, Colin. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's maybe just put this back up and get started. Kind of where maybe you even got started in the tree service business initially, kind of how that transpired, like how you learned the industry and the business and uh, kind of when you started all that stuff. I got started in the business when I was younger. When I, when I was young, I got in an accident, which generated some money. So when I turned 18, I bought a motorcycle. Um a hot motorcycle and I parked next to a tree service owner. And when he came out, he was looking at my bike and he offered me a job. So that was a large local industry, a large local business. And uh, so I started, I worked for him for about eight years and then I started my own business. Um, I started my own business, my first business at 26. And that grew pretty big. And then I lost that. And then I started this current company in 2000. And it's been going pretty good so far. Awesome. So that's almost just like almost by accident, right? Yeah. You, you had the, uh, so yeah. you had the, you had the accident and then you, you, you had a motorcycle. And then you, you ended up getting a job with a local tree service company. And I guess just kind of learning the ropes from that business owner, or that company. Yeah, they were pretty good on education and um, I took to it pretty well. So after I worked with them, when I was about 20, like I said, when I was about 26, I started another company with two friends of mine. And then um, around uh, 98, 1998, that company, I left that company and I worked for a very big company uh, for two years. I learned a lot there. And then my wife and I started this company. Awesome. Did that original company that you started working for, were they mainly just like tree services, like tree trimming, pruning, removal, or did they do like plant health care or things like that too? Uh, we did plant health care then. Okay. So we did mostly residential stuff, some commercial, we plowed snow, you know, everything, anything to get the bills paid. Sure. Keep busy during the snow season and the winter season, I imagine, especially up in New Jersey and things like that. So you learn the ropes kind of, you know, figured out the business, kind of what the job entails, what a crew is, like how it's ran, the equipment, right, and things right. like that. Um, and you said they had a good training um, uh, department type thing, I guess, for that company, right? So they kind of taught you the safe, safe ways to do everything. Well, the first day I started, they had me start on a Saturday, which was a tree climbing school. So we had, you know, it wasn't official. It was just them in the back, in the backwoods. And there was about six of us. So before I even came in, which I came in on the following day, Monday, I was, went up a tree my first day and I took to it pretty well. So that part worked out very well. Oh, yeah, that's great. And then let's start now with, uh, so you decided that maybe you've outgrown that position. Maybe you, you wanted to start your own business. You probably saw how everything worked from A to Z. You get the call, you go give the estimate, do the work. 
get everything done, clean up, and then collect your invoice, you probably decided, hey, I think I can do this myself, my own business. Talk a little bit about that, like, you know, breaking away from the job that you had and the business you're working for to starting your own business. How did you kind of do that transition? I was doing side jobs after working on Saturdays, and one of them was firewood. I cut and split firewood at, at my mom's house. And one guy that I was delivering it to happened to be somebody who who started businesses. That was his job. He was a banker and he helped people. He loaned people money to start businesses. And when I was stacking the wood in his garage, he's like, why aren't you self-employed? I was like, well, you know, I didn't really know how to do it. I wasn't that interested in it. And he said, well, if you want to do it, call me. So I did call him and um, he was one of the original partners from my first business and he lent us the money and we went out and bought, you know, the least amount of equipment we could afford. And then we grew in, it grew pretty big. Awesome. Um, so that first company took, turned out to be pretty big. We had 16 employees and uh, we owned the property we were on. And then, like I said, I left that company and <clears throat> I worked for another big company. And then my wife finally, I finally told my wife, look, I really want to start another business. And so then we started Ramapo Tree. In 2000, I think you um, said. It was tough. You know, I worked till nine o'clock every night and uh, for two years, climbing the trees, doing everything and then making the phone calls. And uh, anyway, it paid off. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So when you started that first company, it was a guy kind of just by fate. You were chopping the wood, um, doing a little bit of things on his property. And then basically he um, said, hey, why don't we start a tree service company or asked you what, why weren't you self-employed? But you were, I guess you were probably happy over there working for that tree company and maybe not even thinking about starting your own business at that um, point yet. We have a couple of audio issues here. Your sound cut out there. Is it, can you hear me now, Colin? Okay, great. We had minor uh, audio issues there, so we're back. But I guess, you know, while you were chopping wood for that property owner, the guy that you were doing it for on the side, I guess he is just kind of by fate, right? Like he asked you, hey, why aren't you self-employed? And perhaps he was looking to start another business or invest in another company too. And I guess that conversation moved to starting a business. Uh, were you thinking about already when you were at that other company as an employee, were you thinking about starting your own business already? I was thinking about it, but I didn't know how to do it. I really didn't have any idea how to do it. Um, I didn't know anybody who had that kind of money. I mean, it wasn't that much, uh, you know, 25000 to get started. Um, so I was just doing side jobs on this, at night and on the weekends. I would borrow a truck or stack the brush and go chip it up a couple of days later. Um, just stuff I'm sure a lot of other people did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You got to kind of do it on the on the after hours, right? Like, so when you, you work for a company, when you're finished, you got to go build your side hustle, which turns into your full-time hustle eventually. Um, so you guys built that company and it was, you said, around 16 employees at one point. Yeah, yeah. It worked out pretty good. And then right before the, we bought the property, we were renting mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know, it just turned out to be very profitable. I think that's a good good lesson right there. Just just uh just to kind of point that point out. So if you're operating on a property, a small lot, or whatever the case may be, by owning that property, owning that lot, in the long run, 
you're going to get significantly farther probably with your business, the equity, the assets and everything else, because you actually own that piece of land and that property, as opposed to just renting for perpetuity, right? Renting the office forever. Is that kind of how it worked out? How'd you guys end up buying that thing? Um, this was, I'm 62, so we're going back a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought the property when it was, the guy we were renting from was liquidating all his assets. He was uh, a landowner throughout the East Coast and he was getting ready to retire and he was selling everything and just uh, keeping it in, you know, stocks or whatever, no physical assets. The property he was keeping was the last one and we were renting it from him so that he had an office. And then one day that he was walking out to his car and the gutter fell off and hit him in the head. And he said, screw this, I'll rent an office. And he sold <laughs> the property and that was the last we saw him. He was like, and, I'm done with all the headaches, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, then it tripled in price. And uh, um, anyway, I left that company, but those guys ended up selling it and making quite a bit of money. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. That's a good lesson right there for anybody in business. If you're renting a shop or anything like that, and you have the opportunity to talk about purchasing that lot or that piece of property, it's always a great idea, especially in the long term, especially if you're going to be in business another 5, 10, 15, 20 years. If you if you look out that far and you feel like you will be, that's a very beneficial side of your business to, to own the property. So then fast forward, I guess, is that business, um, you exited that business, you started kind of working for a larger tree company. So you've been in the tree business for a long time um, and you, you start working for a larger company. What, is it like a nationwide conglomerate or just a local large company? It was a local large company, and um, they happened to need the certification that I had, and my desk was right be, right behind the owners. So mm-hmm. in the first company, I had been outside, and I was climbing all the trees. I really didn't deal with the customers that much. So when I was working for this larger company, Downs Tree Service, I got to sit right behind the owner, and I got to hear him talk to, the, to his customers and the, the vendors and everything. So it was quite an education on how to get things done. And uh, so I stayed with him for two years and then I started this company and he's been pretty supportive. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. A lot of times you kind of see firsthand what a business owner does and you saw kind of how he was talking to the customers. Was he doing the estimates and everything too, or talking about other things with the business? Um, He was actually dealing with customers occasionally at that time. Uh, Mostly he was uh, dealing with employees and some of the larger company, so some of the larger customers, um, you know, at the Turnpike, um, big stuff. I mean, I big commercial. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Commercial, like contract stuff, maybe. And awesome. Well, so now with your new company, Rama Pro Tree, you've got that started, you got that going, and that started off going pretty well pretty soon. I mean, a lot of it's because of your knowledge base. I'm sure when you talk to customers, they understand you, you know what you're doing. So that kind of, gets the referrals going, it gets the momentum building and all of that stuff. Are there any types of marketing that you've done or anything that you can share that has helped you kind of, you know, grow your business, get more people kind of knowing who you are and, and getting that going? Well, I knew a lot of people from the first company that I, that I was part of. So when I started this company, which is where I'm at currently, I had a, a customer base, a small one, and I tried some advertising in a local paper, but all I got was people getting a bunch of estimates. So right. that didn't work. And uh, basically the first two years, I just bid low because I had to get every job so I could get a paycheck. I still had, I had two little kids and 
a mortgage. So I really, I really couldn't afford to stay home. But after that, I have quite a bit of certifications. So my education is um, a couple notches above most of the people they call. So we do a lot of plant health care. So not just trimming the tree, but why does the tree have a lot of dead stuff in it? Or what's the insect activity that needs to be addressed? Um, I have a web page. I have a Facebook page. Um, but most of our customers come from the local moms groups, like I guess a lo local Facebook page. And uh, so by just delivering good service, calling people back and you know charging consistent pricing, uh, when people have trouble with a tree and they need somebody who more than just wants to cut it down, those are the kind of calls I get now. That's great. That's, and I think everybody can learn something from that right there too. So just by moving up the totem pole of not just being a guy that trims, prunes, and removes trees, start getting into that, you know, tree healthcare, understanding why trees are perhaps dying or discoloring or different things you can do to help those trees out. And then the other thing is, and that goes a long way. People are like, oh, this guy, Colin, he's a certified arborist. He knows exactly what he's talking about. You need to talk to him. Because I think a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the mentality has shifted over the years into tree healthcare and saving trees and things like that. So I think that a lot of people are interested in that. They may not know what to look for out in the community because they think a lot of tree service companies maybe don't do that. Um, but you're saying too that you can find a lot of customers in Facebook groups like local well, like maybe local moms groups and stuff like that, where you can go in there, maybe answer questions about people's trees, if they have any questions about it and things like that. Um, I don't actually go into the groups that the calls I get, the people were like, look, I went on, I went on my town's mom page and mm -hmm. several of them, and they're not all moms, but it just happens to be called that. Right. And all, the, most of the people were pretty happy with what happened. So they'll send me, you know, with how you worked with them. So they'll send me an email or they'll call the office. Um, so that's how I get quite a few of my, quite a few of my leads. Yeah. And it, it just becomes like a snowball effect, right? You do, you do right by people and they start referring you around and uh, quickly your name gets out and, you know, you start getting calls and you start going out and helping people with their trees and everything else. And so I think that's a good lesson too. just do, do the right thing and you'll continually get referrals and things like that. Um, so the marketing efforts, you know, that we see generally works the best in a local area is a good website, which it sounds like you have a website uh, built to convert, you know, visitors that visit the website into callers and leads for your business. And then make sure you're on the Google Maps, which is called the Google business listing where you get verified there. And then, you know, it depends on the size of the company and how many leads they want coming in. But then, you know, paid ads, which is like Google ads, Bing ads, Yahoo, uh, Facebook, you can do ads on that. Uh, and then you can also kind of retarget a lot of those website visitors on social media pages too, like Facebook, Instagram, Google partner sites. Um, and then a lot of people are keeping a database of their clients. So they, they build up a database with one of these CRM systems like jobber.com or, you know, Arbostar, Arbor Gold. And you can then email those people once a month with a newsletter, right? So you're kind of building a fence around your customer base. And it sounds like you're doing some of the social media stuff, or at least they're finding you there to where that's how you're getting some of your inbound lead flow. And then plus just referrals mainly. Uh, but we kind of do a mixed bag of that for our clients. And that's kind of what we feel that, that works the best with people that are searching. If they can find you, then a lot of times you'll get the benefit of the doubt and go out and be able to give that estimate, get that opportunity. So, well, that's awesome. So you're, you've grown that business. You've been in business now, you said 2000, so 22 years or so. Yeah, it's been a while. 
That's great. So what do you, so you guys are focusing on mainly plant healthcare, but you'll, you do the other stuff too. Um, no, I think it's, I still do quite a bit of regular chainsaw work. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's probably 60, 40. So 60 is the, uh, bucket trucks, Spanish guys and chippers. And then the plant healthcare is picking up quite a bit because we have some new bugs coming into town, mm -hmm. uh, leaf disease, which is something I didn't even know existed last year is now killing all the beech trees, like all of them in our area. What, what are so, those called? Uh, beech leaf disease. Beech leaf it, disease. Okay. Well, beach, you know, beech trees. So beech leaf disease, the leaves get desiccated and it's, it's moving fast. Yeah. So with my certifications in New Jersey, you have to be a licensed tree expert, but I'm a registered consulting arborist and a board certified master arborist with the ISA. I, oh, you have it behind your head there. Yes, yeah, exactly and, right. um, and I'm a tree care safety professional with the TCIA. Awesome. So I strongly believe in certification and uh, the ASCA, the registered consulting arborist was the hardest certification to get, but it's really, it's really helped. That's great. Yeah. And I mean, a lot, cause we hear a lot of that too, from our clients. So like, there'll be, we, they want to write some, some articles on the website about certain local pests that are coming in species and stuff like that, that are invading and, and, you know, ruining the trees and things like that. And some of them are like the emerald ash borer. Some of them are the gypsy moths, different ones like that. So we're, we're kind of getting into some of that content writing too. And I've learned a lot about all of those things as well. So that's good that you're kind of doing that. I mean, a lot of people are probably having issues with it. So they call you out and want to know how to fix it. So that's a, is it like a monthly application spraying type, type service? Um, we have that, but on this particular thing, there's, there's no, uh, since it's so new, I have to deal with uh, people, um, Rutgers or Bartlett, uh, somebody who's in uh, Rainbow mm -hmm. Scientific has been very helpful. And I'm just kind of trying different things and see what works. Mm -hmm. But I get a lot of the guys don't even know what it is around here. And plus, I get a lot of calls from other tree services wondering how to handle stuff they haven't seen before. Sure. Um, so, so the plant healthcare part is really picking up quite a bit and there's a lot less headaches with, with that part. I see. Yeah. And I mean, your, your liability is less, you know, it's probably easier on you, your body and everything else too, is, or even the crew members. I mean, you're just going around and, and applying the pesticides or the sprays, right? So do you have one of those big tanks that goes on the back of the trucks that you go around with? I bought a cool, I, I bought a, uh, I try, uh, a Mercedes van. And uh, that just came in a couple months ago, and that is really cool. Um, it's got awesome. all the stuff closed. Mm -hmm. and, uh, oh, so the whole tank is inside the the back of the van. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, it's from Green Pro, and it's got everything's inside, and it's all easy access. And like every other tree guy, instead of bringing a million dollars worth of iron to the job, now I can go around in this truck that you know was one hundred and fifty thousand, but it's still a fraction of the equipment that you need to take down a big tree right yeah and you know nobody gets hurt and it's recurring service too right yes yes yeah. that's the phrase i was looking for it's ongoing yes yeah and which like, eliminates you know having to go and just remove five trees and move to the next one you've got clients that what get on like an annual plan or a quarterly plan or something of the of the, of the nature maybe and then you, you know you have to repeatedly go out and keep applying the the solution 
Well, and then a lot of the problems is it's getting hot. Well, it must be burning hot down by you. Um, it's, as it gets hotter and wetter each year, the plants, the trees get different diseases or they mm -hmm. get the existing diseases worse. And there again, there's a lot of guys that don't know how to adjust. And so I'm, we're doing a lot of air spading, uh, a lot of root pruning and uh, stuff that most smaller tree services don't do. Yeah, Even a larger don't do it that much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's a lesson for everybody listening or watching this later too. It's about learning the business in and out and just expanding your knowledge base. And you'll get referrals from other tree companies that can't do what you know how to do. And so those will start coming in as well, just by coming like a certified arborist and knowing about all these tree health and tree fertilization methods and tactics that have gotten big over the years. We, we've noticed that too. A lot of our clients, probably a third of our clients have that service that they do as well. And a lot of them are even trying to move to that just solely, you know, uh, they still do the other stuff as well, but you know, they, they, they enjoy that side of the business, being a consulting arborist and talking about things like that. Well, I mean, it sounds like you, so you, you started the first business, you went out there and you, you gritted it out, grew that company, you know, exited that company, worked for another larger company and then started another business. Uh, you know, and starting a business is not easy, Colin, as you know. And so a lot of people that are, that are watching this maybe have just started, maybe they've been in business two years, maybe they've been in business five years, 10 years, who knows, what would you tell that person that, you know, is getting going with their business you know, maybe they're building it, they're getting some referrals, they're starting to get busier and busier, and they just, they're just not sure how, how they can, you know, how, how far it's going to go for them. What would you tell them? Just, you know, work hard and, and make sure you just keep doing everybody the right way and don't look for a quick buck type thing. There were days where if I didn't sell something that day, I wasn't going to go to work the next day. But the, the downstream service, the owner of downstream service said, just don't say no. So I just, whenever... You know, I wasn't going to fix their cars, but anything they needed that was in my wheelhouse, I would say I would do. And yes, if you just, you got to return your phone calls, be consistent, be polite. Stuff that would apply to any business. Um, answer your emails and just don't give up. Um, I got, sometimes I got real lucky. I mean, the, luck, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Absolutely. I mean, 2008, when the, the market crashed or when everything broke loose, we had Sandy. And, uh, you know, Sandy didn't affect you guys down there too much. But here was like two years worth of work. I remember Hurricane Sandy pummeled the Northeast up there. Yes. So, you know, we worked two months straight every day. And then for the next two years, every job was double what it would have been. So that, that really helped. But you had to be ready for it, too. Yeah. Reinvesting in the business until uh, my wife finally got tired of it, um, where she made me bring it back a little bit. Um, sure. But, you, you know, you got to keep buying. You got this stuff gets old. Anyway, it's the same story in every business, every tree business. This stuff doesn't last forever and you always need something new. And I put I drove around in an old Jeep for 15 years before I bought this. Now I have an F-350, but. I drove around in that old Jeep for years because I kept buying a bucket truck or a new chipper or finally a new sprayer. Um, you know, it's not easy, but it's delayed way gratification. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you think you can do something else that's easier, well, maybe there is, but it, you, no matter what your business you do, you still got to put in your time. And uh, if you keep after it, 
you know, you're always going to be able to find work in the trade business. Sometimes you're not going to make as much money as you'd like, or maybe never. Sometimes you're going to make more, sometimes you're going to make less, but you can pretty much always pay the bills with it. Yeah. And that's what, those are great words of wisdom there. I like that. Just delayed gratification. You know, maybe you don't need the new shiny equipment. Don't go overextend yourself, overfinance yourself too quickly, too early. And if there is a slowdown, you know, any kind of like, maybe there's a slowdown or maybe there is a, a recession at some point in the economy. When those things happen, I guess just, you know, continue to work hard. Maybe you have to, you know, lower your quote prices a little bit or be more eager to do more things and things like that. But you can get through these things because you've got a good name in your business. I think the people that maybe won't last through a recession are A, people that are overextended probably with equipment, things like that. Maybe they don't have the, the name out there and the clientele or the client base to stay busy during a small slowdown. Um, but I think it's just, just continuing to work hard and having that grit, being an entrepreneur and a business owner, right? Yeah, my wife and I have always tried to keep the debt. We, you know, obviously in the beginning, we, we uh, had to go quite a bit in debt. But as we matured, you know, we started putting half down and then we started paying cash for the stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of the mistakes I've seen for the younger people is that you can lease equipment now. I mean, you've been able to lease equipment for 20 years, but you couldn't really do that when I started. You had to put down, you know, 20% and pay it off. So you couldn't go out and get 10 trucks in two or three years. And I've noticed that if you do that and then there's a downturn, now you're in trouble. Absolutely. So to grow kind of with the, the, the regular uh, standard growth that your business is going through, don't, don't go overextend yourself or anticipate too much growth and, and go buy too much equipment, I think is the moral of the story. And if there is any sort of small slowdown or your revenue drops, you know, 15, 20% for a year or two while the slowdown happens, you don't want to be to where all your profit is, is gone because you got so many payments going on, right? So I think that's a great, great word and a nugget there for anybody that's kind of, you know, growing their business. I mean, hey, yeah, you want to grow your company. If you got a lot of business to do, you've got to get equipment at some point, things like that. But delayed gratification, I think, is a great term here. And just know that you can, you can get that new equipment, but you just got to stick it out and keep working. And, um, and you can be as business, you can be in business as long as Colin has here and stick it out and stay with it and uh, keep on going and learning new things. I think the plant healthcare side is, is where a lot of people are kind of moving towards. And I, I like that. I like that part too, because, Hey, a lot of people have got questions about that kind of thing. They don't always just want to go remove their trees. Right. So. We've got it pretty much the trimming and the plant healthcare part kind of go together. So I don't want to do all this plant healthcare stuff on a tree and then have somebody else come trim it incorrectly. And then, all my hard work goes to waste. So there's a kind of a blurred line between the plant healthcare and the, the general tree work part. Absolutely. Together. Yeah, that's great. Well, this has been great, Colin. I really appreciate your time today and kind of sharing your story and some of the things that you've learned along the way. And are there any last minute words or anything else that you'd like to share or kind of maybe encourage business owners that are maybe just getting started? Anything else that, that maybe we missed or something? There is, be careful. And the thing that I've found that is the most safety, the most safety, the best safety tool I have is try to give the guys enough time to do the job. Let them, let them get the tree down, you know, as fast as they can safely and don't try to get them to do another, just give them enough time to do the job correctly and everybody goes home at the end of the day. Right, taking shortcuts is not, not the name of the game in this business. Correct. Awesome. Well, there you have it, guys. We appreciate that so much, Colin. Really appreciate your time today. I know everybody's going to get a lot of value out of this. 
Again, guys, if you're on the YouTube channel, go ahead and like and subscribe to our channel. I have more expert interviews coming up shortly and other marketing tips. If you're on the podcast, subscribe to it with uh, the audio only. And uh, if you're on Facebook and you want to join our free Facebook group, it's Tree Service, it's Tree Service Marketing Secrets on Facebook. You can find us with a search there. And uh, until next time, we'll uh, talk to you then. Thanks a lot, Colin. We appreciate your time right. today. Okay, bye.